Hi there, I'm Andrew Teacher, the founder of Black Sock Consulting, and I'm here with former Haringey councillor Charles Wright to discuss what's been happening in the area recently following the takeover of Momentum, which has resulted in many of the council being booted out. And sadly, the, the deal with Len Lease that would have seen thousands of new homes built is no longer on the table. Charles Wright, how did that make you feel? Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, it's it's <coughs> it's depressing to be honest, <laughs> because uh, you know I felt personally I had something to offer, and the sort of perspective that I took on the development proposals that we were putting forward as a Labour group, you know, always always uh, with a majority of the Labour councillors in 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 favor of it and you supported these proposals i i i describe myself as sort of qualified support i think i mean what does that mean sounds a bit like a cop-out yeah, <laughs> i don't think so i've always been sort of consensual or, or tried to be i think um i, I, mean, I think the, the the you know the basic pers- perspective is that we have three thousand families on the on the waiting list no, we have 3,000 families in temporary accommodation, i.e. statutorily homeless. The council has an obligation to house those, those people. And 3,000 families, how many people is that? Well, it's, it's you know, a number... Of, well, they, 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 they range from single parents to sort of large families. So it could um, be around 10,000, 15,000 people you're ab- talking. Absolutely. 10,000, probably. I mean, we have a further 12,000 or so on the waiting list. Uh, and the reality for Haringey, not just Haringey, boroughs across London is that the likelihood of being able to house those people in a period of say the next decade is remote under current circumstances. Where where do they go? Where do they live? They're in well a lot of them are in temporary accommodation housed by the council. The others are sofa surfing, they're living in overcrowded private rented, uh, significant overcrowding within our existing council stock you know a lot of families moved into a two bed and they now have they now have a number of children they're significantly overcrowded we don't have the stock to manage that i mean that's an issue actually the management of the stock that, so, that, so that, and in response to that you had been a supporter of the proposals to redevelop a lot of this stuff yeah with. i mean it's it's not a you know it's not a new idea in fact haringey fairly late to the game on this i think you know Councils have land, they don't have money, borrowing restrictions apply, you know, the, the opportunity to, to borrow through the general fund and lend on to some sort of vehicle is, is, is limited. And uh, if we're going to make a dent, subject to the current government policy continuing, and there's a gamble on that, we, could, we can bet on, on Jeremy Corbyn winning, and even if we did, would that? Would that? Would that? Uh, Do you think um, he won? Will he? Will he win if if there was an election tomorrow? I think it's quite possible, I, I, and you know, I, I would certainly welcome a Labour government. I've been a Labour Party member for years and years mm. and years. But councils, I think, like I just said, you know, between a rock and a hard place, we have to live in the real world. So, in terms of the the, the whole deselection process, I mean, you, you, you mentioned that that's obviously was was. It was quite stressful and quite depressing. What, what, how was that dealt with? I mean, what, what, what was the conversation that took place around that as, as far as you were concerned? Well, it really, I, I, I mean, Haringey has had, like, like, like other areas, you know, a massive influx of new members. Um, 
uh, they're not particularly active, but they came in on the wave of, of Jeremy Corbyn's leadership victories. And some of them attend meetings, some of them don't. But, you know, they were presented with a binary choice, I think, over selecting candidates. You know, were you in favour of the Haringey Development Vehicle or weren't you? And, and, and if you weren't in favour, you know, you weren't going to get reselected. And do you think that was the right thing to do? Um, well, we'd, 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 we'd I, I, I mean, in sort of strict political terms, we'd, we'd got into a, we'd got into a, a jam, I think, on that. You know, the councillors were broadly in favour of the proposal. Party members weren't. And the time, well, is it a jam? I mean, you'd taken a, a, you know, you'd taken a democratic decision to go ahead with an agreement to build a bunch of homes with a large private business mm. using council assets for all the reasons that you've described. And that's subsequently been overturned by a bunch of people who, as to, to quote what you've just said, didn't really attend meetings that much. Doesn't sound very fair to me. You could you could put it that way. I mean, I don't. You know, members have a right to come along and vote for who they want as as councillors. I mean, my position, I suppose, is that. But was it right for them to do it on the basis of the binary choice that you describe around this housing? Well, I I I I, 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 I personally think think not. I, I, I said, you know, and what's going to be the result of that for the people living in Harringay? What, what, what's going to be the legacy of that decision for those thousands of people on the waiting list? Well, I think, I think not. I mean, not only the thousands on the waiting list, but in London, one of and the issues which councils have to address is not only the people who are absolutely out of the market because they don't have the money, they have particular needs, so on. But there's another whole group as well, which are people who you know, maybe can't afford market rent, but will never qualify for, for social housing or market rent, market prices. Councils have to address that as well. You know, we legally have to address the whole spectrum of need. And, you know, we had on the table, leaving aside knocking down estates, you know, something like 5,500 new homes, 40% affordable. And, and how, So how was the, the, the partnership with Lend-Lease going to solve some of these problems? What, what was it going to do that was going to help these problems that you've just described? Firstly, it's scale, I think. I mean, other boroughs, you know, have done partnerships or set up their own companies. Because Hackney have obviously worked with Barclay Homes and all of the, the regeneration around Woodbury Downs has, but that's, you know, built, yeah. built, built a couple of thousand units isn't it oh yeah no i think that i think that's right i mean like i said earlier i think haringey was late in the game on this actually so know. how was the scheme with lend lease going to actually help what what because because presumably people have voted it down because they thought oh this is bad we're going to vote all of you guys out because we think it's bad yeah why do you think it was good i mean let's, let's be black and white about this you guys have backed something you've said it wasn't perfect but actually we've got all these problems we needed to go ahead and do something radical and mm-hmm. we've been kicked in the teeth for it. That's basically what, what, what's happened. I'm paraphrasing you a little bit there. But, I, I, but, why, I, but why was it good? Tell, tell us why the Lend-Lease thing was backed in the first place. Because we have land. The council. The council has land. It doesn't have money and it doesn't have expertise. Um, the options of a council-owned company would not deliver the scale of new housing that, that, that we wanted. You know, under under the first tranche of the lend lease proposals, we're looking at six thousand four hundred new homes, forty percent affordable. You know, in a joint venture, 
not handing over the land to, to, to a developer like in other parts of London, but controlling it through a 50-50 partnership. And, you know, the, 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 there is no other way, in my view, that we could deliver that number of houses, that proportion of, of affordable homes. That's a lot. I mean, 40%. I mean, that's, that's, that's above, that's way above the average, and, it, and it's above the Mayor of London's generally accepted target of around 30, 35%, isn't it? Yeah, I think that's I think that's right. I, um, and what I, you're I, saying is 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 that because of the scale of being able to build six and a half thousand homes in the first phase, you wouldn't have been able to do that if you'd set up your own housing company, which is what many authorities in London and, and yeah. across the country are now starting to, such as in Barking, where, they, where they've set one up. Yeah, no, you're I'm saying a, that you wouldn't have been able to hit the ground in order to hit the ground running uh, and and build stuff on mass. You'd have had that taking you years. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that I, 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 I think you know that is the reality of what's happening in London. I mean, you know, very, very few council homes are being built. You know, the sort of delivery that you see through housing companies is nowhere near the sort of six thousand five hundred. So you mark. think, to some extent, and the 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 momentum movement that's come in has cut its nose off to spite its face a little bit. They booted out the development, and and as a result, there's going to be less affordable housing built. Uh, that that that's that's my view. Yeah, that's why, as I say, I gave uh, qualified support to the to the proposals. Um, I, I mean, you know, I was at a full council meeting last night. You look at the minutes of not that meeting, the one before. You know, the Liberal Democrat opposition there was was talking about you know, they're happy that we've scrapped the uh, the development vehicle. They're on the record, you know, they would like to see another approach, housing company, the sort of thing which may come through from, you know, the Labour manifesto in Haringey, you know, which, as they said on the record, will produce fewer houses, homes, and take longer to do it. I think, you know, unless in, in there's a dramatic change in government policy, that's inevitably going to be the case. What needs to, what should be that change? So what kind of dramatic change do we need? Because, I mean... It strikes me that we don't... I mean, what change do we need? Because, I mean, you're able to do this stuff, but you, you booted mm. it out. So what's, what's the government got to do? It's not their fault, surely. No, I think one of the... I, think one of the, one of the, I mean, the major constraint, and you can look at any, or any of the policy reports that have been done over the last sort of five, ten years, probably, you know, says that, you know, councils should be able to borrow on their housing rev- revenue account, remove the cap, which basically says you can't borrow. I mean, we can borrow... Up to a up to a a, a government determined. But hang on a sec. You, you, but you've just said not two minutes ago that that mm. you formerly as the council didn't have the skills to build stuff. So why the hell would we let you borrow loads of money when you've said and you've said we don't have the skills to do it? I mean, surely you can kind of understand why. You know, Philip Abbott's not the most interesting bloke, but you know mm. he's probably got a point, hasn't he? If he's saying we're not going to let you borrow stuff because you've not got the skills to do it, is he not right? Is that? I mean, it's party politics aside. I appreciate you've been a Labour member for thirty years and you're mm. not a massive fan of Hammond, but. He's saying we're not going to let you borrow because we can't trust you not to piss it all up the wall. Is that is that not the point? Well, I I, I mean I suspect that is the point. Well, there's two points I think. You know, one is an ideological uh, antipathy to council housing, and the record of the government since 2010 has been precisely to remove subsidy and to favour other forms of, of, of tenure. Yeah, but I mean, um, but I think for balance, it's worth pointing out that, that 13 years of Labour government didn't actually reverse rights by... And I personally agree with it's a bloody damaging proposal or mm. policy, but we had Labour in power for a number of years that didn't change that, did they? 
No, I no, no, I agree with that. I agree with that. Um, so, so I mean, what what? So the question was was we were talking a bit about you know, is the government not right to say we're not going to let you borrow loads of money and waste it all? Well. You're, you're saying national policy needs to change to let councils borrow money to build stuff and yeah. that would kind of deal with the problems we have here well i think it would well two things you know one would be a restoration of public subsidy into submarket housing which is pretty much gone and you know not just me saying it you know pretty much every report like i mentioned that's been done on this says you know the recent reports lse housing the smith institute which looked at housing companies you know you know, there is no way that, uh, that, 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 that the, 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 the necessary amount of social housing can be provided without some form of subsidy. Now, either the government provides that or we look at ways to do it effectively through cross-subsidising, private sales. Which to, is exactly what, what the deal with Lendlease would have done. It would have been a cross-subsidised agreement yeah. where they make a bit of profit, but they're taking you know, an absolute shed, shed load of risk. And in return for that risk that a development partner takes on, they deliver 40% whopping great chunk of, of affordable housing, which by yeah. your own admission, you wouldn't be able to do yourselves. Well, I, I think that, that sums it up. I mean, that's, that's, that's my view. You know, in current circumstances... You know, why would we not be looking at a deal like that? And particularly, you know, it was a 50-50 deal. Wasn't handing over the land to Lendlease, as happened at the Haygate Estate, the well-known Haygate uh, uh, Estate. In South London. Yeah. You know, where you end up with a promise of, I I can't remember the figures now, but, you know, you end up with a promise of 700 affordable homes and you end up with 35 or, or whatever it is. You know, those sort of arguments carried a lot of weight in Harringay. I think where they were wrong is that we weren't in that sort of deal. You know, we were in a 50-50 deal. If we, if we attempted to do the work ourselves, either directly or through a company, we take 100% of the risk. This way we're taking 50% of the risk. We're actually, you know, har- har- uh, harnessing the, the, the capacity of the private sector and I mean, you've you've basically I mean you've you've said very clearly that you think the result of booting out this development agreement is that there'll be less homes built, less affordable housing, and it's going to take longer. Do you think your average voter understands that? I mean, people see all these things on on the evening news in the local paper, and you know, then they they sort of see this as as a very clear you know, left versus right, that we've got evil developers that mm. just are out for blood and money and they're bad people and we need to kick them out and send them away. Uh, and we're the good people that are fighting for social housing. And that that's broadly yeah. the way that these arguments are, are cartoonistically, you know, it's not really a word, but they're presented in that kind of cartoon yeah. fashion, aren't they, of mm. the nasty evil developers. Yeah, yeah. Do, do you think, I mean, does your average voter in Harringay or anywhere else actually understand some of the some of the, the, the intricacies and the nuance here i think i think to be fair i think probably not um if they did what would their view be because i mean you know you've been a labor party member for, for 30 odd years and clearly you know there is a, an outlook that that party members would have um and that you know that 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 that's that's right that anyone can have whatever opinion they want mm. it's not troubling others but fundamentally I think most people would agree that we want affordable houses to be built. Mm. Is there not a, you know, is there not a responsibility you have as a party member to, to try and actually communicate to people what is going to be the result of this action? Well, I, I, I mean, I, I think you know, some of us have, have put our put our case 
Yeah, there's two things, I think. I mean, I think, like I said, you know, I'm Labour Party member for years. You know, um, one of the difficulties with this sort of approach is that none of us would have wanted to do it if we hadn't got an alternative. Uh, if we if we had an so alternative. So you hadn't wanted to do what? To do, to do the deal with... With Lend-Lease, I think. It wouldn't be our first policy option to get in bed with a property developer. No, um, but, uh, but as you've established, you're mm. a council, not a developer, and you've not got pots of gold sat in the middle of Tottenham somewhere. I think that's, so, I think that's, that's, that's right. Um, and also, so, you want to you build 6,000 homes. So with mm. the best will in the world, it's going to have to be a large business with the capacity and the skills and the appetite for that kind of risk, you know, and that's that. That's the, there's not there's not that many businesses no. uh, that, that that have the capability to do that. And as we've seen, you know, the Barclay Homes regeneration of Hackney just down the road to the south of Harringay has, has been utterly remarkable in what it's done to mm. the Manor House district uh, up north of Arsenal and and touching into Seven Sisters and and yeah. Seven Sisters similarly as as there's some excellent schemes coming forward from Granger and, and other 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 developers and mm. ultimately you know that surely highlights the the potential of of these sorts of partnerships but 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 I mean my question for you is is if you think that the public doesn't really understand what's happening here isn't it a way that that, that you and, and other colleagues that have essentially been booted out by this by this campaign group could you not regain some footing by by engaging these people and saying, "Hey, guys, look, actually, all of this stuff is bad for you for these reasons." Well, I, I, I mean, I, I think that's, I think that's, I think, I, I think that's right. We'll see how this unfolds. You know, as you know, it's not just Haringey. Actually, you know, this sort of, you know, the opposition to developer-led regeneration has been a relatively slow burn, I think, over you know a number of years. But what we're seeing now is you know, pardon the pun, you know, significant momentum behind behind the sort of, uh, what you say, you know. Do you think it's going to spill over and, and infect more councils across London and, and the wider country? Oh, I think we're seeing that already. Yeah, we're seeing, so, we're seeing that already in, in, in other boroughs. Which which boroughs do you think are most likely to be on on the hit list over the next few months? Oh, I think you know the south the South London boroughs that have that have got major schemes going on because they have those huge estates and they have that land and and uh, um, you're certainly seeing it in Waltham Forest with their Waltham Stow Town Centre proposals being actively opposed. You're seeing uh, the planning application for Elephant and Castle development being rejected by by the planning committee there narrowly because it didn't have enough affordable housing apparently and you're you're going to get you're going to get more of that and that's a there's there's a genuine political imperative behind that what it doesn't recognize is you know what options do we do we currently have so this is all you reckon this is driven purely by political ideology and ignores any sense of realism that says actually look we'd rather not sell off 50% of the family silver but we've not got any money. We don't have the skills to do this stuff, and actually, we do need some housing pretty quick, smart. Yeah. So we're better off doing this than than not doing this. And and you think that all of these campaign groups are ignoring that, and that London would be worse off as a result? Um, I mean, that sounds relatively stark, but I I I I, I think, as I said earlier, you know, it's a relatively stark situation, <coughs> Charles. I mean, you know, mm. you've basically had the whole council deselected off the back of a decision you made. I mean, it couldn't be yeah. more stark. No, you're right. If it was kind of 
a big 12 inch 12 meter alligator smacking you in the face yeah I mean, fair enough <laughs> <laughs> no I think I think I, no I think you're right and you know I regret the way this has all happened but but um, and what does Claire Cover? What does she think? I mean, the leader of the council up until recently. What, what's her view on it? Well, I, 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 Claire, Claire. I mean, I mean, Claire is a pragmatist. I think, and she's she's said that you know on numerous occasions and publicly as well, um, and brought broadly. You know, the position that she was pushing was you know we do this or we do nothing, and you know as a as a local authority with responsibilities to the people of the of the borough, it's disingenuous to, you know, suggest that there are any other alternatives which would produce these sort of outcomes, I, th- I think. As I say, though, you know, like one of the difficulties in arguing this case, I think, as I've, as I've said, is that, is that, you know, it wasn't our first choice, but we need to do it. And if you look at what's happening in areas like Tottenham and Wood Green at the moment, there are significant private sector proposals coming through you know there's there's two very large housing proposals coming to Harrogate's planning committee this evening you know which will deliver I don't know, I can't, you know 1500 new homes straight off and those are on two relatively small sites you know with the usual arguments around viability and amounts of affordable and so on and some benefits you can add on because one of them will have a big health center and so on so you know, in 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 areas of London, we can't we can't stand still. If we stand still, the developers will do this stuff to us anyway. What do you mean by that? You do this stuff to us? Sounds quite yeah, sorry, yeah, quite pugilistic. What well, what do you mean? Well, it sounds like you're being screwed over. But you, I mean, you, these things are going through a due democratic planning process. So, what do you mean by? do this stuff to us. No, I think that's right. But, but you know, we, we, we know it's fair to say the history of private sector-led development has not generally resulted in the amount of social housing, you know, either in line with the policies of boroughs or, or, of, the, or of the mayor. So you think property developers um, screw you over by building enough affordable housing? Um, I, think, I think the way the system is set up allows them to... Um, well, it, it, it's certainly the reality that it's allowed them to get away with, 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 with less social housing than is mandated in any borough plan, I think. And, the, and that's for viability reasons. I understand viability reasons, actually. You know, council, if, if, if councils were developing these sites themselves, it still has to be viable. If housing companies are set up to develop these sites, they still need to make a return because that's the way things are set up. But it's increasingly, you know, politically, <coughs> excuse me, and practically, I think, um, not feasible to go into developments and say, oh, we can only afford 4% genuinely affordable housing. I mean, that's the... That's the it doesn't really happen uh, so much in London these days. I mean, it, you know, I, I, I think I, you're right. There certainly is that view that, that we get screwed by developers. But I mm. think... I, I think there is a mismatch of reality around viability. And, and as you've, you know, we've just talked about a couple of minutes, if you're asking a private company that essentially it's responsible to switch shareholders, you're asking that private company to come in and take a bag load of risk, mm. they're going to need to make some sort of return. Because ultimately that's your pension in it. It's your voters' pension, your wife's pension, your kids' pensions potentially. Mm. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, we all know about the pensions crisis. So leave that for another day. But yeah. frankly, it's not necessarily 
morally wrong that a private business of any kind is going to want to make some sort of return in line with the risk. No, I agree with that. I agree with that. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm, I'm, I'm not against um, making a reasonable return. Um, so, I mean, what, what, what could, I mean, what, what could developers that might be listening to this conversation that we're mm. having here, Charles Wright, what, what could they potentially do differently, um, given the, the kind of growing toxicity towards private partnerships? What, 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 what things could be done differently in the future do you think might help soothe some of these issues? I think, I think, I mean, one of the arguments is about engagement with, with local people. I mean, just as an aside, you know, the, the, <clears throat> one of the, one of the good things about the development vehicle in Harringay, I think, was that it was a long-term, a long-term approach. And what that, you know, there's no decision actually, just, you know, the, the, the decisions that were taken by the council, you know, all related to effectively the brownfield sites, not the not the estates. Actually, no decision has been taken to put any estate into the vehicle, and obviously now it's dead in the water. But that gave plenty of scope for you know long term engagement with the residents in those areas. Um, and actually, where we'd done that on other sites, the the so called High Road West site opposite the new Spurs Stadium, the tenants there you know, were happy by a significant majority to have their blocks knocked down and and re, and rebuilt with a right of right of return. Um, and with significantly more affordable housing as well funded through the through the GLA. So there's actually a lot of scope for sort of mitigating the the the, the position. I think one of the issues with the developers, and I've I've done work with developers in the past. I mean I worked with Ken Livingston at the uh, at the GLA um, with the London um, development agency um I, I i i think as a as a group they're too wedded um to the, the sort of the master plan the glossy cgi images of people sipping their coffees um you know we've listened to proposals about you know maker's yard and you know there'll be an artisanal brewery and this stuff and i think that that sort of pitch doesn't relate to the reality of the way people are living in London nowadays and they probably need to be a little bit less sort of uh, gung-ho about how they're going to transform things and a little bit more listening to ordinary people so toning those. down the yuppiness and, and and upping some of the basics so pharmacies and health centers and I, I I I I I believe that's I believe that's right. You know, they've 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 they haven't moved away from the caricature of regeneration. You know, which is you get your cheese shop and your coffee shops and the rest of it. You know, because. But but you say that though. But in fairness, Charles, I mean, you know, I've sat in enough planning meetings where people bang on about some of this stuff, and you're here. You know, some utter tosh come out of the mouths of. of of people sometimes demanding all sorts of things, complaining about this. So you know, it's fair enough, and and, and I agree with you in in some respects. And, and you're not you're not wrong, but I think isn't the reality that the, the you know just because one person speaks a bit of common sense doesn't mean everyone else does. And that mm. you might not necessarily want posh coffee shops and cheese makers, but someone else up the road might think, oh, I quite like cheese, I quite like that. And that that's the problem, isn't it, with, with mm. the planning system? Is that someone pipes up and says, I actually. I drive my car to work, therefore I want loads of car parking spaces, even though mm. you know, most sane people would say, actually, 
car park spaces in central London. It's bonkers. Yeah, no, no. I mean, I, no. I think, I think that's, I think that's, I think that's, that's right. And I can remember looking at developments in Docklands years back, you know, and we were talking with the developers, and they sort of came into the meeting and said, sort of, "Great news! We've secured Costa, you know, as a, as a, as a, as a, as a, as a, as a tenant, you know, and and um, actually nothing more with Costa, you know, they, 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 those." But that's the that's the sort of um, you know the frills around what actually should be people working together to provide you know sets of housing which will deliver for most people. I think so. Like you said, you know, if developers could could get a little bit less sort of re- uh, get a bit more real about about what's going on because they're not all luxury homes. I know. I think you know the myth of sort of you know luxury apartments everywhere is persistent you know the myth that all these places are owned by russian oligarchs who never lived there well, so if you um, read the, if you read certain newspapers that that would everything that's being built is left empty for for foreign buy to let investors which is clearly not the case um and actually the research the lac i think did for for, for the mayor of london you know showed that um so what what happens now then so we, we've got this apathy you've described building up we're going to have more pressure on some of these large estate renewal schemes frothing. What happens now? Are we going to just see less being built? I mean, clearly the, 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 the different factions within your party, the Labour Party, are taking more control, and that's only going one way. So mm. what does that mean then for regeneration? I, 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 I think, I mean... I mean you know, I know from having talked with developers previously, and I mean informally. You know, I'm not, I'm not, uh, you know, very close with a lot of developers or, or anything like that. But I know, you know, the, you know, it's the case already that there are areas which developers won't necessarily go into because they'll get a hard time from through the planning process and so on. Um, and I don't think any area of London can choose to, should choose to make itself a no-go area for, for developers. Has Haringey made itself a no-go area? I think there's a danger. I think there's, I think there's a danger of that. Why would you go there when you, there are plenty of other places, you know, to, to, to develop um, and look to make a reasonable return? Um, so I think there is a there is a there is a danger, you know, particularly you know, particularly in areas like Tottenham, which is which has been, you know, a, an an area which has not benefited from investment over years and years. I mean, Haringey is is you know that the, those those areas have some of the highest unemployment and some of the highest levels of poverty in in London, and you know. We're not going to address that with, you know, 2% on the council tax. You know, we're going to, going to address it, you know, by making or, you know, the, we, we would have been able to address it, I believe, by making a significant intervention via the development vehicle, not just on housing, but on jobs and on facilities and on support for education. Um, so... Particularly in current circumstances, Brexit and so on. I mean, when I first came to London, you know, London's population was going down. There were swathes of, of uh, you know, Georgian properties sort of uh, empty around the around the capital, and people like me and others were squatting and or taking short life options in the. You know, London was was was, 
you know, London can go down as, 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 as well as up. And certainly areas like Tottenham, um, you know, which haven't improved over years, despite small-scale interventions, you know, we don't have years to, to plan this. You know, we need to... Need to act now. Yeah, good local authorities need to act now, I think. And if we don't, that chance will be gone because people are going to go somewhere else. That's a shame. Terrible, terrible to think that. But thank you for being so candid with us, Charles Wright, and, and thank you for making the time to come in and, and chat to us on our propcasts. So um, thanks again. Uh, and if you've got any comments that you'd like to tweet us, please do so at Blackstock LTD. Thanks very much. Thank you.